Father, today, as we bow before your throne of grace, it's there we find the help in our time of need, and we find ourselves as humans so needy. Lord, ever since the fall of man and the title to the earth was lost, the title to our inheritance, oh God, was taken from man by the seat in the garden. Lord, ever since then, we have been just wretched humanity trying to find our way through. But Lord, you didn't leave it that way. When we couldn't come up into the heavens, you came down to earth. You came and dwelt among man, walked the shores of Galilee, healed the sick, relieved the suffering of mankind, dealt with the human frailties. And Lord, you paid the price of penalty for our sins. And you gave us a deposit, which is the Holy Spirit of promise, whereby we are sealed into the day of redemption. But Lord, oh God, we are looking for the purchased possession. Lord, the completion of redemption. We believe that we're living in that day. We believe, Lord, where the prayers have been released as the seventh seal opened and that broke the silence and the prayers were offered and were put there in the, with the incense. The prayers of your coming were released. And Lord, you are bringing about an end time. Lord, there's nothing out of cater today, but everything is right in place. And we're right here upon the cusp of the very rapture of the church. We see Sodom as a condition. Lord, we see the world in its shape that it's in. We know, Lord, oh God, we know that also that there is an elect people that you've called in this day and hour, that you've called to attention to your word, that you're preparing a bride that will be without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. I pray, oh God, today we'll be motivated by the word. The word of God will be our passion. It'll be the drive of our heart. It'll be the what thrills a believer today. We'll move into a realm, Lord. Uh, oh God, a higher realm than what we've lived before. Like Enoch, that we'll take another step. We'll move a little higher. Oh God, until we get so close there, we won't want to come back here. I pray in the name of Jesus. It'll be that way in this service today. Oh God, just feed us the engrafted word today as we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 9 is where we will read from again this morning as 
we speak on the message of restoration. Amen. How many believe we're in an hour of restoration? Well, God has promised to restore. As Joel's prophecy said, I will restore, saith the Lord. All the years the canker worm, the palmer worm, and the caterpillar, and the locust, and my great army that I sent, I'm going to bring you back into your homeland. You're going to eat in plenty. You're going to be satisfied. Amen. You're, you're, going, to be, you're going to receive of my spirit as I pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And here he began that on the day of Pentecost, pouring it out. But I believe we're here in the final pouring out of the spirit of God as he pours it out into bride people. Amen. Genesis 18 and verse 9. And they said unto him, where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. You can be seated. As I said this morning, we're going to be speaking on the message of restoration. This was a day of Sodom. It didn't look like a day of restoration. It was a day much like Laodicea, which is the last and the seventh church age for the Gentiles. And we believe and know that even as Israel would come down to the, the last days of their Jewish dispensation, that we're coming down to the last hours and days of the Gentile dispensation. And so it's a, it's a day like Laodicea uh, describes a day where men are self-centered, men are rich and increased with goods and says, God, I don't have need of you. It's a day when men don't want truth, but they'd rather just have a feel-good religion, live however they please. But in a day like that, Abraham and Sarah are receiving a visitation. And with that visitation comes, as we spoke last Sunday, an open book. Amen. Where we spoke of Sarah, take the book, take the book of the inheritance. You know, again, if, if you don't take it, uh, again, if you don't see your name in there, you can never come into the full and complete inheritance. Um, you know, you, you've allowed it to be that Hagar is there and Ishmael is there and seemingly they have taken your place, but I'm, I'm trying to tell you, you've got a place in this book. And, and so it's a, this book is the title to everything that was lost. It, is, it contains our entrance by rapture into the heavens where Adam once ruled from. And of course, we are referencing the book of Revelation chapter 5 where, where that there, the lamb advanced in his great work of redemption. And I believe it's the time that we're in today because I believe he is still... Uh, finishing his work of redemption. You can say, well, it was finished at the cross. Yes, it was. It was potentially all finished there as it was initiated. Redemption was initiated and the blood of Christ dealt with the soul of man. But we are promised more than just the soul of man to be redeemed. We are promised the redemption of our bodies. That the very earth that we live in that was cursed in the garden that grows its thorns and its thistles and gets sick and weary and dies will be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. 
this is a wonderful belief that we hold today that it's more than just a belief, it's a revelation of where we're at here in this end time and where we fit in the prophecy of the Bible. And of course, as we're talking about this, this book is the title to everything that Adam lost. It contains our entrance into a rapture, into the, into the very heavens from which Adam once ruled from. You don't realize it, but Adam was, a, was as it was, a, a man who ruled from two different realms. He lived upon the earth, but his rule was from heaven. He used the word with power. He spoke and, and, and kept everything under control. He could control the winds and the waves and the storms and none of that would come upon them. And we know that because when the second Adam came, that's what he did. Amen. So you see, again, it was, it was um, that which Adam lost and here we are right upon the edge of that. We can look at science and we can say they're on the cutting edge of going into other realms and exploring uh, in, in dimensions that man has never seen before or touched or been tangible to man before. But I want you to know that in the realms of the supernatural, there is a people that is reaching out in the realms that man has not walked since the days of Adam. Amen, the same realm that Jesus walked in. Amen, that the sons of God are, are coming into the hour of manifestation. Amen, this is the hour that we're living in where God is returning the title deed back to man. As we said, his work of redemption, he did his purchasing work as the lamb at Calvary. He, did, he has been doing his intercessory work, his mandatorial work for 2,000 years through seven Gentile church ages. But now we are here in a time where heaven is moving. Things are happening. Amen, don't, don't think that things aren't happening. Things are happening. You're looking around and you're seeing a world fall around you and trouble that has happened. I want you to remember right in the time of that fallen world, there is a people that is rising. As one goes down, another goes up. As another one falls and Satan there will become the God and the king of the earth and will rule there for the, for the tribulation period. Let me tell you, there is a bride that is rising up and they are ascending. They're not a part of the fallen world, amen, but they are a part, amen, of a promise of God that has been made manifest for the end time. God prophesying of this day. So we see the lamb taking the book and he would take the book and loose the seals. Now remember, this was God became a man. God had the book. Satan's dirty hands couldn't take it. So it went back in the hands of Almighty God again. But it was a question book. Who owns it? It's in the hands of God. And when the earth was for man. Is that right? It was never to be ruled by the devil. Your body, the earth you live in, was never to be ruled by the devil. That was never God's plan for you. God's plan was for his Holy Spirit to live within you and keep your nature subject to the word of God. Amen. For there to be harmony and peace and tranquility as it were a millennium within you. But because of sin, man fell and became a part of the cursed 
earth. Now, redemption has it where that what he is doing is redeeming a people. And in redeeming a people, he comes and he takes the book. As I said, he had it as God, so he became a man. And as a man, he takes the book. And as a man, he takes the seals off the book. He cancels the debt and the liens that were against the book. So it can become open. And once it becomes open, Revelation 10 shows us the mighty angel coming down with the open book and handing back to John who represents the bride of Christ in type, handing back to man the book and saying, take the book, eat that book, become one with that book and then prophesy. Let those words come out of your mouth. Let it change the atmosphere. Let it control demonic power. Let it control sickness, diseases, and afflictions. Now, again, this is the crescendo. The rapture age is the crescendo. It's the ultimate of the pouring out of God's spirit. And it's shown in Revelation 10 as the mighty angel coming down with an open book. And when he does, he swears that there will be no more delay. That the delay is over with. That I'm going to wind up the end time prophecies. And we're going to see a fulfillment of of the word of God. And it'll be manifested. I'm going to take, as I promised, a bride for my namesake. Now, so again, this mighty angel, of course, is Christ himself, not not as Jesus, but the Holy Spirit coming down. Come on, that's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. Amen, it was what the spirit that was in Jesus, the Bible said, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, you are none of his. That the spirit of Christ must be in you. So the spirit that was in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, amen, the eternal God, came and dwelt in him and now on the day of Pentecost here comes the Holy Spirit down to initiate redemption amen to bring the Holy Spirit into man look look what had happened the law and all of its do's and don'ts could not bring the Spirit of God into man it took the grace of God and the blood of the true lamb to take away your sins so that God could come and dwell in you. And that was the deposit that he placed there on the day of Pentecost. I want you to think of it as a deposit because Paul said it is the earnest of our inheritance. It is only the down payment. It's not the finished payment. Amen. It's only the claim and laying a deposit down. We're going to deal with that in a little bit for, for a little while today. But I want you just to see that we're in the hour not of just the deposit. We're in the days of where the, the finished work. What he started at Calvary being finished in a bride people. Now, as we look upon this, 
with, with Abraham and Sarah, it was the Lord had appeared to Abraham. And here is the Lord now walks among them and, and this visitation takes place. And he, he again begins to call Sarah's name. Where is Sarah thy wife? I've got to get her on board because she must receive this promised son. Of course, they believe that the, the, the child of Hagar, Ishmael, the child of the bondswoman uh, was the promised heir. And, and God said, no, no, I'll bless that. Amen. I give them a place and an inheritance, but that's not for them. Amen. This is for you, Sarah. Amen. I want to bring it down. The old church that has been waiting on now for 2,000 years for the promised son to come. Here it's prophesied in Sarah and Abraham that there would be a visitation in the last days to get Sarah on board, to get Sarah expecting the promise, to get Sarah looking away from herself and her failures of the past and look here and judge God faithful who made the promise. Amen. Amen. I don't know how you're going to do it. I can't do it in myself, but I know this. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. Amen. And he is here for a special reason. When the angel of the Lord showed up on earth, it was a declaration that the promise is about to be fulfilled. I want you to get that. This is where we're living in. The presence of the angel of God that is here among us is a declaration. The anointing that is here is a declaration that the promised son is about to come. Hallelujah. You might have been looking for it a long time, but you're in the day. This is the hour. This is the age. You might have been expecting it and been talked about for years and years and years. It might have been a funeral scripture that we've read over and over and over again, but it's no longer a funeral scripture. It is now a manifestation where God is descending with a message. A message of restoration. A message declaring with an oath, I'm not going to let things keep going the way they are. I want you to understand God has made a promise to you. I am not going to just keep letting it go on and on and on. There's not going to be any more delay. The end time is in full swing. I tell you, that, that sets us apart. That sets us apart as an age, as a people. That sets us apart from all other people. I'm not trying to be exclusive here. Neither am I trying to minimize where others have been. But what I'm trying to do is get you to see where we are. And what God has, the arrangements that God has made for us in this day and hour. Now, so again, I want to, uh, and this may, may sound like, like some really difficult statements to wrap your mind around, but this sets us apart even from the church of Pentecost in Acts 2. For then a deposit was given to the church. 
But in the end time, the Spirit comes to be poured out in its fullness to bring up to the bride complete and full and total deliverance and to the complete inheritance that everything in the book becomes theirs. They have a title to it. Now, but in saying that, I want us to be careful here. Don't try to do away with the deposit. Without the Holy Ghost, without a where, where, whereby you are sealed into the day of redemption, without that, the book of title deed is not even for you. Amen. Without that, without the Holy Ghost, without what happened on the day of Pentecost. Come on, listen, Calvary made way for, for the death to pay for sin. The resurrection made the way for Jesus to rise up and triumph over death, hell, and the grave. Every sickness, disease, everything else, he triumphed over it in his, in his resurrection. In his death, he suffered it. But in his resurrection, he triumphed. But his resurrection made way for his ascension. For a man to bridge the way. Come on, God as a man to bridge the way back into heavens. Where man had been banned from, from the, from the Garden of Eden. Now a man sits there as a man before the throne of God. Amen, to give you an entrance. Amen, to give you a person there. That you, another human, that you as a human could approach to. Not a distant God. But a tangible God. And he sits there to mediate on the behalf. When you're sick, he knows how to be the mediator. I was sick. My back hurts today. Oh, uh, my back hurt at Calvary. My head hurts today. My head hurts when the thorns were placed on me. Amen. I, I, I have this. Uh, this horrible, horrible situation in my life. I bore it all. I know what you're talking about. Amen. I'm not a distant God who can't feel what you feel, but I came down to feel what you feel. Amen. To go through what you go through. To face the devil like you face the devil. And I overcame him by the word, and you're going to overcome him by the word. Jesus didn't use his power to cast out the devil there on the Mount of Temptation. He used the word because he was overcoming as a man. And he was saying, this is how you do it. Take the word, place it on your lips. My word will defeat the devil anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Come on, church. Amen, so this is what he did. He ascended on high. He sent about gifts to men, preachers to preach the gospel, ministering spirits to, to prepare you to be an heir of the salvation of the Lord. All of these things that he set in place, but he, he becomes the mediator. But notice, he doesn't always remain there as just mediator. 
remember, he did the purchasing work at Calvary. He never needs to go back there. He offered for sin once and for all. He doesn't have to hang on the cross for you again this morning. He paid his blood was sufficient to pay for the vilest sinner's sin. It don't have to be redone. This is why the book of Hebrews would say the offering of Jesus was a greater sacrifice because there in that priesthood they had to offer it continually. But Jesus once and for all, once and for all. And let me tell you, he ever lives to make intercession. And as long as you're in this body of flesh, he's still your intercessor. He's still your mediator. You can still go to him, even though, even though that we're, we're coming right down to the end of his meditorial work, you can still come to him. Because as long as you're human, you're gonna need a human there to approach to. Come on, somebody. Amen. Now, we know that he was God. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about his humanity, God becoming a man to pay the price of redemption. And he could not die as a God, so he comes as a man. He could not suffer temptation as God. God cannot be tempted, so he became a man. So as a man, the book of Revelation tells you he takes the book. I want you to know this is a momentous moment. This is a climatic moment where the man, Adam lost it in the beginning, but now a man takes it back. But remember, he already had it as God. So it wasn't for himself that he's taking the book. Come on. It was for you he was taking the book. So he does it and becomes a man because, listen, the, the cry rung out, who is worthy to take the book and to loose his seals? And there was no man found worthy. Elijah, Moses, name them, what great prophets, whoever they were, none of them were worthy. And John wept because no man was found worthy. And he said, wait a minute, John, don't weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah, he hath prevailed to take the book. The king himself became your mediator. Amen. The judge became your attorney. (laughs) Amen. The case is dismissed. Amen. Your sins are gone. Because the attorney, became, the judge became your attorney and the attorney, he didn't just hide the records. He obliviated with his own blood. You owed a debt you could not pay. Amen. He paid a debt he didn't owe. Amen. God came to take and pay your debt the very penalty of sin and die in your place where you should have went to hell he went to hell for you and there he overcome hell and rose up this is what he did for you therefore hell is not for you he went there in your place 
Hallelujah. Amen. He went there in your place. Now, when he goes and takes the throne of mercy, he comes to mediate. And as we said, that early church was like Jesus would compare it to a corn of wheat. And he said, you know, except a corn of wheat would fall on the ground and it would remain there as it were on the stalks and he'd just abide alone. And he spoke this even of his own death, but then he talked about the kingdom of God and he said the kingdom of God is like, like the grain of wheat and it's planted and when it's planted, and then he said it brings forth, you know, first the blade and then the stalk and then the, and then, and then the ear. And then when it reaches the ear, he said the, the, the sickle is thrown in and it's brought to harvest. Jesus would liken the church as being seeds that he planted. And the, the enemy would come in with tares and would sow them among them. And then the harvest would be the end of the world. And at that harvest time, he would send the angels to be reapers. And he would gather out from the kingdom all that, all that was wicked and that offends. And he would take the wheat into his garner. These are the days we're living in. The church was planted on the day of Pentecost. And that's why I'm trying to say to you, don't try to do away with the deposit. Amen. Without the Holy Ghost, whereby you are sealed to the day of redemption, the book of title deed is not even for you. It's only for you. The, the book is only for you if you own a deposit. Now, again, I want to just share with you a little quotation from trying to do God a service. And we have referred to it. said, the day of Pentecost, the spirit directed it right into that, Joel 2, 28. The day of Luther directed into that, Wesley, and this last Pentecostal move, But this is another age. This is a calling out of the bride. Not 2,000 years ago at Pentecost or the repeat or the return. So again, this is the calling out of the bride. Not 2,000 years ago at Pentecost or the repeat or the return. He would go on to say, but now is the bride calling. Now is when seven seals have been opened. Now is when the complete things that the reformers left has to be opened and only Malachi 4 can do that. Amen, because it takes a revelation straight from God to an individual to do so. And we know what we're referring to. Malachi 4 said, behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he had a job to do. He had a job to turn the hearts of the children back to the Pentecostal fathers. So you see, it's a message of restoration. And that message of restoration, I want to get this clear to you, is not to return to Pentecost so as to perpetuate the church ages. But the last day harvest is different from the former harvest of Pentecost of 2,000 years ago because this is the calling out and the calling home of the bride. You see, God had something better for us. Amen? Well, what if he'd have raptured that church back then, finished redemption, it'd been all over, millennium come, and the kingdom set in, and all of that? 
you wouldn't be here. But God knew you were coming. They didn't know you were coming. Paul didn't know you were coming. He didn't realize it would be 2,000 years or seven church ages. Amen. He didn't realize it would go on as long as it did, but it had to come to this day because you two had your name in that book. And God, listen, before the world began, God took a photo of you. Hallelujah. And he put it in his family album. Hallelujah. And he took a picture of you at your best. Oh, what is my best, Brother Tim? When I was 18, that's not your best. Well, when I was 21, that was not your best. Well, when I was 35, that was not your best. Where you were your best was what you were in God's mind before the foundation of the world without one imperfection. That's why Job could say, he could say to Job, I saw you shouting. The sons of God shouting for joy. I saw you turn down the devil's lie. I saw you as an overcomer. I've already seen you in the last day. I've seen you young people overcome Laodicea. I've seen you turn down pornography. I've seen you turn down the perversion of Sodom. I've seen you turn down the evil that's in this world. I've seen you choose the right thing because I saw you. This is a picture I had of you before the world began. And I put a photo of you in my family album. And you have not yet been what you have been seen to be. But you're walking toward that fulfillment. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to do today is to get you to look in the book and say, this is what I am. I am not a failure. I am not a reject. I am not a defeated one. I'm a son of the most high God. I've been called for this hour, called for this day. I'm an overcomer like my father. The Bible said he foreknew you. He did not write your name on his book when you came to the altar. That's when you recognize you were a son or a daughter. But, that, but you, your, your sonship predated that a long time ago. Before the devil ever had a claim on your life, God had a claim on you first. Hallelujah. Amen. He had the first claim on your life. When we built this church, I went to the bank. I didn't expect to use them. I didn't. But I made it where that they could be the first lien holder. So if I needed money, because I believed that God was going to give us everything, and he did, everything you see for on this campus was paid for with cash. We never borrowed a dime. God provided it because he's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord provider, he's El Shaddai more than enough. You're struggling this morning, just look around and see what my God can do. Amen. But anyway, I went to the bank first and I said, listen, I I, want to be able to take a loan. And I understand you want to be the first lien holder. But we do the first dirt work. 
Because, you know, we didn't pay that man what he thought. He could put a lien on us. We didn't clear the debt. He could put a lien on us. But the bank wants to be the first lien holder. So you see, before the devil ever come in the picture, in your life, God had you first. And when these other scallywags want to come around and say, you owe a debt, the bank says, but we hold the deed. And we're first. We're first. And that's the way it is with God. He said, I'm first. I'm not last. I'm not a second thought. And you're not a second thought. You were my first thought. Before I made a world, before I made a universe, you were my first thought. The lonely God sat in alone and by himself and said, I want a bride. I want a counterpart. I want a people for my name's sake. And he started building a home for you. Hello. And you know when this when it's all over with, and the devil is totally defeated, and the thousand years is over, and the and the devil is stowed into the lake of fire. Do you realize it'll be right here on this good old earth right here that that he'll set down his kingdom? Because he had a plan long time ago. Uh, this is a home for me and my bride. So I've made everything for you in mind. Everything. Now, now we come, as we said, that photo was taken. God placed you in his family album. He knew you were coming. So rather than rapturing that church, remember the last thing that Jesus says, I will come again. Remember the angels come in the book of Acts. So whilst are you gazing in the sky, in the, in the skies, this same Jesus will come in like manner as you've seen him go away. Well, they looked for him to come. They thought he would come right then. But what they didn't know is God had bigger plans. Come on now. He had a Luther. He had a Wesley. He had an Azusa Street. He had you. And he could not, he could not finish it all up until you come. The last names on the book has to be manifested and receive their deposit before total redemption comes. That's why we want to get everybody filled with the Holy Ghost. Even though this is not the day of Pentecost or the return, we're not just repeating Pentecost. We're not just returning to Pentecost. We're just not going back to Zeus' street. This is rapture day. This is when the seven seals have been opened that the book has been open, allowing us to receive the open book with its title and and its inheritance to what Adam lost. Like I said, this advances us to a day that is different from any other day. We can truly say there has never been a day like this day. 
For this is rapture day. This is the going home of the bride. It's the long-awaited harvest that has been hoped for and preached about so long. And as Sarah, she'd heard it and heard it, gave up on it, said, look, look, we'll just let a little denominational child do it. And God said, no, no, no. I've not changed my mind about who's doing it. Sarah, who is part of Abraham, She's going to give the one. She's going to be the one. She's going to be the mother. It's her name that's in the book. And no matter how old she is, though she is there all crippled up, 90 years old, maybe half blind, hearing gone, you know, gray-headed, whatever her condition was, stooped shoulder, it didn't matter. Amen. Listen, even today, God is not looking at your circumstances. God only looks at his word. Amen. This is the word that I spoke of you. It's a word of peace and not of evil. So this advances to a day that has been long hoped for and preached about so long. And the mighty angel is here, the fullness of Christ to usher in the fullness of what has been promised. As I've said and I've illustrated before, as he pours out his spirit, he began pouring it out on the day of Pentecost. But in this day, he empties all the contents into a people. The fullness of his spirit. Now, So you see, this is a day when the promised son comes. The long-awaited, prayed-for son. As I told you in my prayer and mentioned it before God, Lord, this is a day of the seventh seal when the silence is broken. This is a day where your coming is initiated and, and where that it's set into motion and events begin to happen. To, to set the ball rolling, to bring about the end time. Do you realize everything you are seeing in the world today has been orchestrated by God? God would say to Abraham, uh, you know, your, your people will sojourn in a strange land for 400 years. And after that, with a mighty hand, I will bring them out for the Iniquity of the Amorites is not yet filled. You see, God would have to wait until iniquity got so high, until the noise of it now reaches heaven, where he comes down in an investigating judgment and said, I'm going to Sodom to see if what I've heard is the truth. Amen. And he he brings fire down upon Sodom and Gomorrah Amen, because why? This time he does not judge the world with water. He judges it with fire. And never have we lived in a day where right there in the hands of men, just with the pull of a trigger, one bomb, one bomb, obliviates 600 square miles. And then they got thousands of them ready to unleash upon the world. And it will happen. 
The Bible said in Revelation 13, the beast had power. Where did it could bring fire down from heaven? It could do miracles. And we're still living in a day where miracles are so common, you don't even think them as common. How many of you in this room ever seen a corded phone? How many of you have never seen one? How many of you have never used one? Come on, raise your hand. You've never used a corded phone. Ah, how many of you, yeah, a phone with a cord on it. You know, I, I, I saw one young person look at another and say, what is that? <laughs> Amen. Today, you two can stand right here and talk across the world. Amen. Transcending dimensions. Because we are a miraculous people. God has let science tap into his laboratory. And miracles are happening and man is not just a human that he was some kind of, you know, 150 years ago. He's a superhuman. He's a superman. He can do super things. But if you're seeing that on the natural, what about in the spiritual? There is a super church, a super race. Hallelujah, of people who can transcend dimensions, who can move, whose prayers can move in dimensions that no man can enter into, but a son of God can and bring down from heaven the power of God. You see, the mighty angel is here. It's Christ. Not Jesus, not as a man, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here. The messenger of his own covenant to usher in the fullness of what has been promised. This is a day where the promised son comes. Now, you can't use these, these quotations like I just read. Let me just go back to it to reference it. That, you know, but this is another age this is the calling out of the bride not 2,000 years ago at Pentecost for the repeat of return. Now, you cannot use quotations like that to, to, to say, to, to do away with Pentecost or to minimize its importance. Let me just stop here. Pentecost could never minimize the importance of the cross. Without the cross, Pentecost could never come. Unless Jesus died and paid for our sins, God could never come tabernacle man. Jesus said again, if I don't ascend, if I don't go away, the comforter cannot come. For the Father dwells in me and I'm gonna send the comforter, the Holy Spirit back to you. And he will abide with you forever. I'm only, I can only, I'm here in a temporary form. I look like I'm 50 years old. I, you know, I'm here a man of 33. I look 50 something. You know, age can, can, and death can, can come upon this body. But let me tell you, let me tell you, the comforter I send you is not temporary. He will abide with you forever. But if I don't leave you, he can't come. As long as he's just dwelling in me alone. He cannot come. So I must go away and 
because he came. He's still our comforter today. Amen. Don't, don't ever try to think, oh, we don't have the comforter anymore. The, the Holy Ghost is of none effect. That's not true. It's the token age. It's the token hour. It's the Holy Ghost age. The Holy Ghost hour. This is the day you must have the Holy Spirit. You're required to deposit on your inheritance before you receive the full, complete redemption. So without the deposit, without the Holy Spirit, without the Pentecostal experience, you are not entitled to the book and its provisions. Now, it is the abstract of the title deed so that every claim that Satan had against us is struck off. Every claim. Whether you were born wrong, no matter if your mama did it, your daddy did it, grandpa did it, whether you were a bastard child for 10 generations, it doesn't matter what kind of sins was in the past. I want you to know when you received the Holy Ghost, amen, it is the abstract of title and it strikes out everything. Don't worry about generational curses. It cancels the debt. Hallelujah. You're free. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, it is the abstract to the title that every debt against you, no matter if you did it, your mama did it, your grandparents did it, or whoever did it, I don't care how long them sins and those habits and those spirits have followed your family at the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, you get, you are a new creation. You're no longer the old person anymore. You are a new creation. All things have passed away. All of your past, all of your past, gone in the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Ghost is the stamp upon your life that every debt is paid, that you have repented of your sins and have taken on his name. And now you see your name, not just in a book of life, where life is sacred and written in a book, but now you see your name in the Lamb's book of life. The, what the land claims. In the book of life, your name can be taken off. But in the Lamb's book of life, your name can never be taken off. Think about that. What a revelation that is this morning. Amen. God will never change his mind about you. In fact, he made up his mind about you before the world began. He knew you were his own. He didn't just claim the devil's child and said, I'll claim this another from the devil. You were never the devil. You never belonged to Satan to begin with. You were always a child of God. Hallelujah. Before the world began, he knew you. I saw you shouting. I saw you shouting, Job. I saw you rejoicing. I saw you. 
Listen, he's already seen us in time, what we were doing in eternity. Don't tell me I can't shout. Don't tell me I can't rejoice. Don't tell me I can't dance. God saw me before the world began shouting. Hallelujah. He saw me in triumph over sin, over evil, over pornography, over adultery, over every sin that there is. He saw me shouting. What he saw. <laughs> Ephesians 1 tells you he did not choose you because you were blameless. He chose you to be blameless. Amen. He didn't choose you because you were perfect. He chose you to be perfect. Jesus said, be ye therefore perfect even as my Father in heaven is perfect. How in the world are you ever gonna do that? That's some tall orders. But I want you to know salvation is of the Lord. It's not man doing it. And when God declared that you were to be perfect and you can't be perfect, then he had to come and make a way for you to be perfect. You see, there on the day of Pentecost, those believers, their bodies were quickened. I like that. Not only their soul, but their bodies were quickened. Sure, their soul was quickened, but their body, those members of their body, hands, feet, eyes, mouth, that used to serve sin, hallelujah, were now raised in glory to Almighty God. Amen. Those, the members of their bodies was now being controlled by another king that was sitting on their throne. And this king controls their hands, their feet, what they think, how they act. Come on. The Bible said, you know, you know should we continue in sin that grace should abound? No, he said that he that is dead to sin, you know, sinneth no more. You know, it's over with. Amen. We're dead to sin. We were buried with him in baptism. We raised again to a new life. God did not come to save you in your sins. He came to save you from your sins. To give you a power, an overcoming power. That's why the gospel has been so watered down today that we can live any kind of dirty life and still be a child of God. You can't. If you're a child of the living God, if that revelation ever struck your heart, amen, I don't belong to the devil. I'm a son of God. Amen, and you've received the Holy Spirit in your life. You no longer willfully sin. It ain't a nine, 10, 12 step program. Amen, it isn't a a whole sections and and, and hours and and days set aside to teach you sexual restraint for your bad sexual habits. It is not a reformation. It is a transformation. Amen, you can't listen, let me tell you something, you cannot hybridize this message with what they're doing out there. 
You cannot do it. You must not do it. It'll only bring death. It'll never reproduce itself. It'll just reproduce a denominational Christian. We're not just to be a denominational church member. This is not about coming to a place and occupying a pew and warming it and saying, I'm a member here. No, it's being burnt into the body of Christ. Remember, sin is dead as midnight and you're a new creation in Christ. That's the power of the blood. But the Bible said they would deny the power thereof. Though they had a form of godliness, though they claimed to be believers, they would deny the power of the gospel that can change a life. So we need programs for our kids, our young men. We've got to have it. We've got to do, we've got to have, uh, you know, these sessions for our, our young men to teach them sexual restraint. No, just get the Holy Ghost. Amen. Just have an old-fashioned Holy Ghost scouring out. Burn out sin nature. Make you a new creation in Christ. You say, Brother Tim, that will take away sex desire. No, you'll still have sexual desire or you'll never procreate. But at the same time, there'll be a power to control that and that marriage is where it's honorable and the bed there is undefiled because whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. And we're not out of in the judgment. We have passed from death into life. Now, so there, there are those on the, in the upper room. Uh, just don't forget the deposit. The deposit that would come there on the day of Pentecost. It would go. They had been, listen, they had been justified. They, they you know, he, he would say, even you're sanctified. Now you're clean through the words that I speak to you. They had made preparations. Is somebody with me? Amen. And there on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and were adopted into the kingdom of God. Had the adoption robe of the Holy Ghost on them. Listen, some of this theology does not match the Bible. You show me where Peter, James, and John got the Holy Ghost and then got adopted some 50 years later. You know, finally they grow up and they're finally grown up enough. That's not Bible. In the Bible, amen, they received power when the Holy Ghost came upon them. They had authority to fill out the check. They were operating in the Father's name. They walked right out there under the token and said, under the Holy Ghost and said, silver and gold, have I none but what I've got. I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. There was no waiting 50 years for adoption. Oh, brother, you can't help your pornography and you can't help your sin. You can't help the evil you're in. You know, you want to be a good boy here, you know. Well, just grow a little more. Grow nothing. Amen. Get sanctified. That devil cleaned out of you. That's the growth you need. Amen. It ain't 50 years of growth. It's one moment in his presence. That's all it takes. Amen. One moment in his presence and he can cleanse you from every desire of sin and make you a son of God with authority to operate in his name. So they go up on the day of Pentecost. They go up to get their abstract. Let me tell you, friends, 
Even though this is not the day of Pentecost or the repeat or the return, this is so vitally important. If you miss this step, you'll never take the book. The open book is not yours. And there, they were, they were quickened. Amen. Because the land had been bought for them. The debt had been paid. And what happened? It took all the fear out. Jesus said, fear not. I'm he that was dead and is alive forevermore. You see, it took the fear out of them when they did that. You had the, the cussing, Christ denying Peter. Who was always worried. He was the one that would betray him. You know, I mean, you know me, I, 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 I can never overcome. I can never do right. I, I, you know, I've always made a mistake. And even Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And I can never make it. But there on the day of Pentecost, hallelujah, they were waiting for something to come. Listen, you don't have to wait in the upper room, but you must wait until you're endued with power from on high. Don't go out. We don't need preachers in the message that hadn't been endued with power from on high. Don't go out with just just a theology and learning and and you've learned the message and you're able now to quote it back and forth and and make a reasonable thought. That ain't it. Amen. It, It is being endued with power from on high. Wait until that happens. Sometimes people get frustrated and people come to the altar while they're there and then they come again and they come. Sometimes it takes some people a long time to die out. That's what we're waiting on. God's waiting on you to die. You've got to die to your sins. You've got to die to your unbelief. Not just, I take Jesus as my savior. Praise God, I'm born again. You're not born again. You're still the same old, old, old dastardly person that you always was. You're not born again. Nothing's changed. You're making a confession, but there's no profession. Amen. The Holy Ghost is a possession. Amen. Now, so, you know, there there is a confession, no possession, I meant to say. Now, so it took all the fear out of them. They were walking there in the upper room, and when that quickening power came, that power made them alive. And out of that upper room, they spilled out into the street. And they were shouting, speaking in other languages. Come on, church. Their bodies were so subject to God till they couldn't even control their own tongue anymore. They were speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Is that right? Amen. What was it? The clearing of the deed came. And they were glorifying God. My sins are gone. Amen. Sin nature's been dealt with. I'm a new creature in Christ. I recognize who my father is. You see, that's the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption is the Holy Ghost, which, which, whereby we cry, Father, Father, where we recognize God is our father. Notice. So you see, it's a guarantee when the Holy Ghost comes, it's a guarantee that, that everything held against you, you have thoroughly repented. I've been waiting 10 years, Brother Tim, for the Holy Ghost. No, the Holy Ghost has been waiting on 10 years for you to thoroughly repent. 
as long as you're holding on to this, well, I'd come, but I want my girlfriend. I, I'd come, but I, I want this life. I would come, but I'm not surrendering my music. I, I'd come, but I... As long as there's something there that you won't make a complete surrender, the Holy Spirit can never come upon you until you make a complete and total surrender. So you see, then when it comes, it's a guarantee that everything that was held against you has been, you have thoroughly repented and, and, and the, the property is bought and you hold the abstract for the assurance. Now God did this same thing in this day for the church. Now the church, just like Mary Magdalene. Is somebody with me? Amen. Mary Magdalene, you know, here with Mary Magdalene, she had seven devils. The church, she typed the very church in the last day. She was accumulating seven demons. Amen. We, we are in a mess. Come on, Sarah cannot produce. She's filled with unbelief. She's laughing at the promise. And all of that unbelief's got to go. Amen, but the angel of God, the son of man, Christ is there to do what? To dispel the unbelief and restore her back to faith again. Are you with me? Amen, so what God did for the church is exactly what he did for Mary Magdalene of whom he cast out seven devils. And down to the ages, we lost the truth that Paul taught. We lost the true pure gospel. It became contaminated with Theories of man and theologies of man and ideas of man. And yes, there were hours of, uh, of, of reformation, but never a restoration. And there's a difference even in your Christian walk. This is not about reforming you. This is not about training you how to have a good marriage. This is not a good, you know, a, a training session on how to be true to your wife or to avoid temptation, you men with the females and the females with the men. That's not what this is about. This is not a, a 10, 12 AA meeting where you, where you learn how to cope and you learn how to sidestep it. And you got a friend, you know, over here that when, we, when you're about to make a mistake, I call my friend and say, friend here, I need some help. And you know, pray with me. And this is my problem. And this brother talks me through it. It ain't about a support system. That's not what it's about. It's not about a pastor and the deacon board looking over their shoulder, over your shoulder to see if you're, you're doing right. Amen. I tell you, when the Holy Ghost comes, he is the keeper. He's not only, he's not only the giver, he's the keeper of your salvation. The Bible said when the comforter comes, he will convince you of sin. He will tell you what's right and wrong. But we've got away from the power of the gospel. We've got away to just a a denominational view. I, I'm talking about just a religious church view. Uh, just be a good person, try to be good. Listen, Jesus told good men, a rich young ruler, a good man. 
you're going to hell. Hell is going to be filled. It's going to be filled with good kids. It's going to be filled with good people who have tried to be nice to their neighbor, who have been tried to be good to, you know, give the, give the, the, the mailman a Christmas gift, help the widow with some coal, or, you know, pay the electric bill for somebody or, or help, you know, serve on a food, food line. Hell is going to be filled with people. Amen. Heaven is for the born again. Not for good people. In fact, there's no one but good but God. You say, well, my kid's a good kid. Unless he's born again, he's not a good kid. And my goodness comes from God. That's where real goodness comes from. And you've got the Holy Ghost in your life. That makes you a good person. That's true goodness. Well, I'll just come to church and I'll pay my tithes and you'll split hell wide open. This is not about church membership. It's not about joining a group. It's about being born again. It's about a transformation, not a reformation. Coming in this church will not make you any more of a Christian than going into a barn makes you a horse. The only way you can be a horse is to be born a horse. And the only way you can be a son or daughter of God is to be born a son or daughter of God. Somebody with me now? Amen. So again, again, we're talking about the church. Let's come back to this on the church. I'm weaving back and forth between you and the individual and then as the church. Now as the church, the mystery truths were lost during the past seven ages. Amen. And they had to be restored. And every claim that Satan had against us struck off. Now that's why it was sealed with seven seals is because the book was closed to the believer. No one could take the title. No one could take the title to go into the heavens. No one could go and take the title. I'm not talking about death and, and a place for you to be after death. I'm talking about those that are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord. Is somebody with me? So there again, mystery truths that were lost down through the seven ages and they had to be restored and found out the liens that were on the book that were against them and holding them back from the church and it paid for by the Holy Spirit and then blotting it out Amen, and bringing back the truth that the apostles preached. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's where we're at. I want you to know, every claim that was against the church has been struck off. Amen. What am I saying, brother? False baptism, struck off. Amen. Were they they sprinkled? Struck off. Amen. The debt canceled. The things that would hold against the other ages, amen, have now been struck off and, and turned back to you an open book of a full and complete inheritance. Not a partial truth or a partial gospel, but the gospel Paul preached, restored back to the church. It's a message of restoration. Amen. 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 
And then he comes to hand you the book. And what's it make? It's time now for you to prophesy. For sons of God to speak and their words be backed. Now, but you cannot have this without the deposit given at Pentecost. Let me remind you what the church was at Pentecost is the standard. That is the pattern. There is no other pattern. No matter what scholars say, God has not changed that pattern. What God did at Pentecost, he has to keep on doing until the church age is closed. So when we say it's not the day of Pentecost to repeat and return, well, you know, we are not saying that, that the word of repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and receiving the Holy Ghost don't work today. But we're saying we're living on a different day where there's more. That was a deposit. But this is the fullness of redemption we're coming into. That was the start, the initiation. But we're now at the finish. You see, so what God did at Pentecost, he has to keep on doing until the church age is closed. You see, it's the same grain. You see, on the day of Pentecost was not cuckleburrs. It was, it was wheat. It was the grain, the original seed. Amen. That's what was given on the day of Pentecost. Whatever was planted in the beginning is what is harvested at the end. And we can't expect in this harvest something different than what was planted at Pentecost. Amen. So there in the church will be the same gifts, the same miracles, the same power, the same Holy Ghost. Come on, everything that God had in the wheat will be here in the harvest time. The difference is, is one is taken to a corner, the other is planted to go through the dark ages and come up with Luther, Wesley, and Pentecost, Azusa Street. So it's like, it's like a seed of a flower. It falls in the ground. The, 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 the seed of corn falls in the ground. The first thing, it comes up and it's a little sprout that it comes from the, the, that to the blade, goes into the tassel, goes from the pollination stage into, back into its original grain. You see, and that's exactly what the church has done. You know, it's come down. It was planted on the day of Pentecost. It was the seed of Pentecost that was planted. It's the pattern. You know, the seed that is harvested to be this like, exactly like the seed that was planted. Yeah. Amen. Now, but you see, it, it's went from glory to glory. Remember, it goes in decay when it's planted. It goes in the dark ages under the ground. It comes up with a little blade, a little weak blade like Luther. It, it expands to the, the Polonaise to Wesley. Then it comes to, the, to Azusa Street as the shuck. And it looks so much like the grain. Amen. It's acting, looking. It's similar, so similar to the grain that it can be mistaken for it. But it's not the grain. Amen. It's just the stage before the grain. But then the grain comes on. Amen. And when it does, immediately he he puts in the sickle for the harvest begins. Now, we are in the day 
like that. And it's been changing from glory to glory to glory. Amen. Now, and now it's ripe to bring him back exactly like he was at the beginning. The same ministry, the same Jesus, the same power, the same Holy Ghost, the same one that came down on the day of Pentecost. Come on, somebody help me preach. We're not talking about 20 gods here. We're not even talking about seven spirits of God. Amen. God, there's no seven spirits of God. There's seven manifestations of one spirit that is shown in the book of Revelation. Come on, somebody. Amen. This same God that came down on the day of Pentecost comes down in the end time with an open book. It's not a different Holy Ghost. It's the same Holy Ghost. But he's doing something in a greater way. He is bringing back the contested inheritance and handing it back to you. Now, it's back now after changing from glory to glory. It has come back to its original seed. With the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the same signs, with the same baptism, the same wonders, the same kind of people acting the same way, with the same power, the same sensation, it's from glory to glory. And the next will be changed from glory, from this glory into a body like his own glorious body. Do you hear me? Amen, we've come through it. Amen, it was in its original glory on the day of Pentecost. That was the spirit of God come. It was planted. It goes into decay. It comes up. It's a, it's a different glory. Oh, with Luther, it's not the same as Pentecost. It's not a grain. It's a blade. You can't harvest it. You just have, you just have hay. You just have straw. Amen. There could have been a rapture in that day. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm using a Bible principle. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like this. And you couldn't have done it in Luther's age. And then it comes to pollination. If you'd have went and clipped it down then, you would have never had no, no wheat. There would have been no grain. There wouldn't be no harvest. How many has ever went out into your field of sweet corn? Man, can't wait. You're watching it. Tossels are brown, getting brown. Man, you know, it's the first corn. You can't wait. And you go out there and you peel it back. And all it is, little white buttons all up and down. That's not edible. You can't harvest that. What if you went out there and said, man, it's ready, and you pulled every, every ear of corn? You wouldn't have nothing but, but to feed to the cows. Amen, but nothing to eat off of there. You have to wait until it's a proper stage. Amen. And when it comes to that proper stage, you pull it back and you look at it. Hey, this is exactly like what I planted. Now manifest it right before my eyes. It is changed from glory unto glory unto glory. Now what? And the last glory. Are you ready for this? The last glory. Amen. Is to be Go into the next glory where our bodies are changed. Just like our soul was changed. Your body's changed. The final glory. 
That's why Jesus could say, Father, glorify me with the glory I had before the world began. That's what I pray is, God, glorify me with the glory I had with you when you saw me in that perfect picture. Amen. You say, Brother Tim, I ain't what I ought to be. Just look at the picture. Amen. You say, Brother Tim, I'm not meeting up, but just look at the picture. It may not be what you are, but it's what he said you would be. And that's good enough because he cannot take his word back. If he said, I'll have a bride without spot or wrinkle, I don't care what kind of creed or dogma comes along or heresy comes and spikes the church. He'll have a bride without spot or wrinkle or blemish. I am not concerned about your failures. I'm cons- uh, the only thing my mind is on is his success. I'm going to judge him faithful. So I'm going to look at these blemishes that I have. And I said, as I look into the mirror, come on, as I look into the glass, the Bible says, the mirror, as I look into the word as a mirror, as I look at what God said of me as a mirror, I am changed from glory to glory. Look what you were, now look what you are. So the one who started the work is going to finish it. Just keep gazing, keep looking at the promise and let it change you from glory unto glory. This is our restoration. This is where what the church had at Pentecost is her inalienable right. She started with the pure word of God. She had the power of the spirit manifested in diverse signs and wonders and gifts of the Holy Ghost. But here we are now in the last day to be the fulfillment of every promise that he spoke of a bride. I want you to think about this. His message is one of restoration. And the restoration isn't just You know, well, I was a good person, Brother Tim, and I made a lot of mistakes, and oh, God's going to restore me back to where I was back here, a good person. No, that's not what God's doing. God is restoring you back to what he had in his mind of you. It's far beyond what you've ever been. It's far beyond what you could ever think of perfection. Where God is changing you from glory unto glory. Are you with me? God is sending in this day, it's a message of restoration. I'm going to bring you back to that original glory that you had with me before the world began. Ephesians 1 tells us that. Now, so again, you know, God's wanting to restore. Listen, even on the natural side, God wants to restore you. Let me deal with this just a moment. God wants to restore your health. Amen. He wants to restore your body. Some of you are having difficulties in your mind. God wants to restore your mind. You say, well, I'm getting old and my mind is slipping. God wants to restore that. Amen. This is a God who restores. 
This is a God who makes things new. Somebody help me preach. Amen. Again, God, you know, no matter how depressed you've been and how long you've been depressed and how bad you've been in a situation, a long time, God wants to renew your spirit. God, he wants to renew your marriage. You do not have to stay in the decrepit state you've been in. Your marriage can reflect the marriage of heaven. Your husbands can live as Christ lived and love your wife as Christ loved. Amen, your, your, your family can be healed. Your, 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 your wife can be brought subject to the word of God and subject to you in the proper role as a helpmate. All of these things God wants to restore. He is a God of restoration. He's a God that wants to restore relationships in your family. Amen. He doesn't want it just to continue with the same old bitterness and the same old division and the same old same olds that you have been a long, long time. God wants to send your prodigals back home. He wants to complete your family. Amen. He wants to bring them in and bring, bring them subject to God. He's a God of miracles. Hallelujah. He's a God of miracles. He won't let you go too far. He wouldn't let Sarah get too old, too impossible, too bent over, too dead. No, no, no. He had a word to interrupt the very cycle of life. And God's got a word to interrupt the cycle of life you're in. Hallelujah. What a God we serve. I said, what a God we serve. Amen. He's a God that don't ever forget you. Even when, when your pastor forgets you. When he don't remember to pray for you. Jesus already in John 17 prayed for you. He said, I pray not for these alone, but for all who believe their words. He prayed for you. Amen. He prayed for you that you make it. He is interceded. Come on. He ain't giving up on you. He ain't quit on you. He ain't backed up on the promise. No. If he said, I'm not leaving a hook behind. We're not leaving a hook behind. We're going. Because he's a God of miracles. He's a God of restoring. I was thinking about you, Denise. Girl raised up in the church. I remember the night when your daddy called me and he was about 18, 19 years old. And said, Denise is leaving home, moving out. I said, well, don't let her go till I can talk to her. So I came, sat down at their table and talked to her. My mind is made up. This is what I'm doing. Nobody can talk me out of it. I said, oh, don't go that direction. It's the wrong direction. She chose a path of heartaches. Went into a marriage relation and it failed. Other situations and they failed. 
came to church there and in a service. And I preached a sermon and I, and I used a slogan. Whatever you do in life or wherever you go, without Christ, you've totally lost everything. She come down to the altar that night and I prayed with her and she said, and I wonder, I said, don't, don't go that direction anymore. A worse thing that will come on you. She walked out from there for a little while. You know, she walked with the, seemingly walked with the Lord, just didn't go all the way. Didn't make a full surrender. There, you know, she'd been out of church three, four years, five maybe. And sometimes, you know, we live busy lives. We get caught up in things. Even me. I'm not always perfect. Some people get out of sight, out of mind. And so, you know, you, you tend to get way back on the back burner. I had to repent. I said, I had to, you know, I come to realize afterwards I hadn't thought of her in months. Just hadn't seen her. She lived out in other places and we just never crossed paths. And I, I was in Germany and I was preaching a convention there. In the middle of the night, I was startled with a voice that spoke to me out of the heavens and said, Denise is about to receive her last call. Oh, I tell you, I was not asleep. I heard the voice and I looked and I don't know how to explain this today, but I saw a dark line go across the ceiling as I looked up. And I said, oh God, I'm the messenger. What can I do? It had been many years before that when I was just a boy preacher still at home, living at home. My dad had a sister that was wayward. She so away, it was so away from God and went through several divorces and whatever. And she was a, just become an alcoholic and was going from, from one roadhouse to another. We, we got news she wasn't even going home. She's just living out of her car and then, you know, going to the next, going around down the street to the next to get drunk again with a more living immorally, every kind of thing. So my dad hearing that, we were all boys living at home, loaded us all up in the station wagon, us and mother and across the, over into Texas we went. We got down there where the honky tonks are and just, just the side of Tyler. We started going from one to the other till we found her. We found her and there my, my dad said, listen, you're gonna come home with me. So get whatever you got here and you come home with me. Well, I got a car. You're going to leave the car here. You're going with me. And he forcibly put her in the car. And my brother, older brother got on the other side and we kidnapped her. And we took her all the way to the backwoods of Louisiana where we lived. And we dried her out. She had horrible hangovers. And she was mad, angry. Angry at us, angry, angry at, at the world, angry at her life, angry. My dad's, you know, I was a young preacher. And I, my dad, we was having home meetings and I was about, mm, I don't know, 
16, 17, something like that. And, and, and my dad said to me, you know, she needs to hear a sermon on, on the prodigal son. So that would be good for her. And I thought, God, I'll look at that. I'll see what there is. Maybe I can come up with a sermon that'll help her. And, and I, I got and looked there and thought I had a thought and thought it was from the Lord. And, and, and God taught me an awful lesson. I went out and tried to preach that and it fell just flat as flat could be. There was no inspiration, no anointing, no spirit of God behind it. And God taught me a lesson right there. No matter what or who or the situation, you do not listen to man to get your sermons. You get in my presence and you get a voice from me. And I'll tell you, from that moment on, I would never preach on the prodigal son. I was scared of it. I was so wounded and hurt, felt abandoned from God. He just left me. You know, I can only preach by inspiration, by the anointing. And without the anointing, I had nothing to say. And I just made a fool of myself. I said, God, I don't ever want to do this again. I could go to meetings and somebody say, I heard you preach such and such over here at a certain place. But Tim, would you preach that here? I'd say, no, I ain't. I remembered that painful lesson. So I'd never preach on that. And, and so, you know, there I was there at the, in, in Germany and I hear the voice of God say, Denise is about to receive her last call. Isn't it wonderful when God speaks? Even if it's a warning, we want to hear it. Even if it's like Brother Kenneth was there where he was praying and asking, God, would you just tell me you love me one more time? And God speaks to me and says, call him right now and tell him God loves him. No matter where it is, God's got a timely word for the right moment. And I thought, God, here I am. I haven't thought of this girl for, for months. And here you're telling me she's about to cross the line. And I'm the messenger. And if I'm the messenger, if I mess this up, if I fail to get it to her, if she just thinks I'm trying to scare her or trying to frighten her some way, or, or you know, I'm just, just whatever, God, I, I can't mess up on this. There's a life in balance. I didn't see her there. That was from May to, uh, to September. I didn't see her there till, till the, and run into her until the Labor Day meeting because I was just waiting for the right time. And here she shows up at Labor Day. And I pull her aside. I said, Denise, I got to tell you something. I had this experience. I was in Germany. I'm sorry to tell you. I hadn't thought of you in months. I'm ashamed to say. I hadn't even been praying for you. I'm, I'm sorry, but in the middle of the night, God let me know he didn't forget you. And he told me these words, you're about to receive your last call. She looked over at me and I, and I we confirmed, I said, listen, you know me. You've known me since a kid. You know I don't make up stuff. You know that I wouldn't do this to scare you. I'm not trying to control your life. I'm telling you exactly what happened. That's all I can do. And I was so flustered and nervous about the mess and being the messenger. 
And she looked at me and just softly said, oh, well, thank you for telling me, and turned and walked away. And as I watched her walk away, I said, God, I failed. You gave me, you made me a messenger. And I didn't convey it. Somehow or another, I missed. How could I have done it different to make her understand? I was broken. A couple of weeks later, I get a call in the middle of the night, about, I think about two in the morning, and I'm grabbing for the phone, and, and I, I, get, I get the phone, and on the other end, I, there's a voice that says, hey, Brother Tim, this is Denise. And I, I'm waking up. I'm Denise who? And she says, you know, she, she, she tells me who she is, identifies herself a little better. And, and I said, oh, 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 yeah, how can I help you? And she said, well, Brother Tim, he's here. He's in the room. It's the Lord. He's in the room. And I know this is my moment. This is my time. And I know I've got to do something. And, I know I must make a move. I've got to do it. Right, right now, I know that I said, well, Denise, he wouldn't have told you that unless there was hope for you. I said, if you look down just in those verses there, you'll find this line, when he came to himself. I said, Denise, you're coming to yourself. I said, all that life you have lived was never you. You've always been a child of God. The devil just took you out in the world and God is bringing you to yourself. Where you recognize, I have a God, I have a father, I have a home. I can go back home. I don't have to eat pig slop anymore. I said, well, circumstances are where I can't come to you, but we'll pray together and we'll believe the Lord together. We prayed together there. The next service during that week, God dealt with me. I looked at that scripture with a new, with a new look. God gave me permission to preach a sermon called When He Came to Himself. I'm talking about God with a message of restoration. When He Came to Himself. And there I stood out and and I preached and I told the church, I said, this is not a sermon. This is a prophecy. I said, because God has begun something where he's going to bring prodigals back home. And in that service, there was a man there that some months before, sitting down on a couch in my home, I looked at him and I said, I hope you know you haven't crossed the line. I hope you know that you, you, you know that, that all your chances ain't gone, that God still has his arms wide open for you. And he looked at me with shock and he said, no, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that you mean, you mean there's really hope for me? I said, yes, there's hope for you. I said, just come on back to him. And, and, and there after that conversation and I preached that sermon when it came to himself, big old Ross Oglesby come down to the altar, gave his life to the Lord and it started growing ever since. But God ain't through restoration. He's a God who restores. 
Amen. He's the God that restores home, restores relationships, restores marriages, restores family. He's a God that heals. He's a God that delivers. And the other day I went there in Ross Oglesby's room where the doctors had said, you know, it's, it's some of your last hours. And he said, Brother Tim, I've got something that's on my heart. I've got to get this settled. I don't know how. I don't know how to do it, but it's got to. I divorced my wife some many years ago, and I've done wrong. God hates divorce, and I want his right. And we talked about that in that moment. And there in that same moment, his wife, Sister Linda, comes walking in the room. And I said, right here, here it is. Here it is, all two things coming together. And I said, we were just talking about making wrongs right and a healing beginning. Are you ready to do it? Amen. And he joined hands together and I prayed with them and I repeated vows after me and reunited as man and wife again because our God has a message of restoration. He's a God that heals. He's a God that delivers. He's a God that saves. He's a God that when you're about to cross the line, he said, it ain't too late for you. And it ain't too late for you. And it ain't too late for you. But I'm an untimed God. Restore, saith the Lord. Amen. All the years, all the years, the canker worm, the palm worm, all the things that the devil has done, I will restore, saith the Lord. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me prophesy. Broken relationships are going to be healed. Broken situations are going to be, amen, healed completely. You've been an old woman too long. You've been spooked and broken down and disbelieving too long. It's now the hour of restoration. I will restore, saith the Lord. Let the musicians come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get ready for your miracle. Get ready for your healing. Get ready for your restoration. He's that kind of God. Jesus are you ready for the Holy Spirit to do its work in your life he's ready to heal you've been broken long enough your situation has been there too long he's the healer of my heart I don't know how you knew to play that song but that's what I've been singing ever since. The healer of broken pieces. He takes my heart, he makes it new. Amen. Now my whole life I surrender. I lay it down before the mender. Lord, I give my heart to you. 
Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this situation, Lord. The Wilson family, you see the burden of the heart. Lord, they're believing. They're accepting that promise. Amen. Well, as we sing this song, I want, I want the Oglesby family, the, the, every one of them that are here this morning present, whether you're Miles or Oglesby or whoever, you know, you're part of this family. I want, Sister Linda, I want you all come down to the front. Amen. We're going to pray with this family this morning. He's the restorer. Grandkids, come on down. Amen. Wherever you are, whatever part you are in this family. Amen. You're the healer. Healer of my heart. Let him heal you now. Let him heal you now. Amen. I want you to just say, I lay down my bitterness. I lay down my hurts of the past. I forgive it all. I don't hold on to any more of it. Amen. I won't be enslaved anymore to any of it. Amen. I won't be held captive anymore. But I'm going to have complete healing in my home and my family. Amen. Totally. You reunite us. Won't you just pray that for a moment? Reunite us, God. Just get in, get in, get in that real place right moment, this moment. This is a God moment. This is a moment, Sarah, you're standing in the presence of the Son of Man. Amen. Where he's come down to bring deliverance. Amen. You're the healer of my heart. Amen. I want you to sing a verse of it. Hell. Oh, Every 